Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Thank you so much for being here today with us. And we want to kind of follow into the same theme of of uh, the military and, and honoring those who have fallen in military service with uh, a look at the book of Titus. If you'll turn to the book of Titus this morning, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And, and for me, I, I feel like uh, more than anything, uh, this is a call to arms. You know, if you were a part of the military and if you were in military service, a call to arms is a call for all uh, military men to gather up their uh, their weapons and to fall into placements so that they can go march out into battle. Uh, in this book of Titus chapter 1, we see Paul uh, giving a similar call to arms. Uh, he's writing to his... Uh, uh, his fellow servant Titus who is in Crete. Uh, uh, Paul and and Titus went on a missionary journey. It's believed that this is between Paul's first and second imprisonment that uh, he resumed some missionary journeys. And this is a a mission field that is is in Crete. Now, there's a lot of, of, of... scholars who believe that this uh, fledgling church body is there in Crete because of, of some of the people that were present on the day of Pentecost. And we talked about Pentecost uh, 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 and last Sunday or so about how uh, Jewish people from all over the world had come to Jerusalem. It was 50 days after the observance of Passover. And they were there to celebrate uh, what they understood as Pentecost or the Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Tab- uh, Tabernacles. It was all there. Uh, they were there because they wanted to celebrate what God had done in their lives. They'd been celebrating the Feast of uh, First Fruits from the time that they left uh, the, the, uh, the bondage of slavery in Egypt. God told them, look, you need to, after uh, having a, establishing a celebration of what God had done for them by liberating them from slavery with Passover, they were to also uh, praise God for the fact that, and that was a, a, a celebration of deliverance, of celebrating Passover, the celebration of first fruits or Pentecost was a celebration of God's provision because it was celebrating uh, God allowing them to have a land where they would have bountiful harvests and they were to celebrate what God had provided for them in the harvest and they were to give of the first fruits that came in of the harvest. And so all of these people had come to Jerusalem for the celebration of first fruits or, or Pentecost and that is when the Spirit of God descended upon uh, the disciples and they were uh, went out and the Bible tells us that there were 3,000 who were added to the church that day and and we celebrate Pentecost today because of the the uh, igniting 
power of God's Holy Spirit in the life of the church to begin the early church and to begin this movement of God to spread the gospel all over the world. And it's these uh, Christians who were there in Jerusalem who went back to Crete after hearing the message of God that uh, they established this church there in Crete. And Paul and Titus went to Crete in order to help them begin establishment of a church that they could then uh, continue to spread the gospel and be able to uh, uh, disciple people and to help them to, to grow in the faith. And so Paul is, is writing this passage of Scripture and Titus is not like... Uh, now, Titus and 1 Timothy are very similar. In 1 Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to his fellow uh, uh, missionary, Timothy, as he's uh, trying to establish a church in Ephesus. And Paul has left Timothy there in Ephesus to help him to, to grow and to nurture this church. But the church in Ephesus had some maturity to it. And Paul was writing specifically to Timothy a, a personal letter so that he would understand what's going on and, and to help him and encourage him and to bolster him in the faith. This letter to Titus is not so personal. It is uh, more of a, a letter that is to be shared corporately with other people. And, and uh, Paul is encouraging Titus and the establishment of this church, but, it, uh, but the church in, in, in Crete is very young. It's, it's just being established. And so this letter letter is not as personal as 1 Timothy, even though it covers some of the same uh, type of, of subjects. And so we want to look at, at these verses in 1 Timothy, uh, uh, first, uh, excuse me, in Titus 1, and, and listen to the words of Paul. He says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth, which, I, uh, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God uh, that cannot uh, lie promised before the world began but hath in due times manifest his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior to Titus uh, mine own son after the common faith grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless of the steward of God and self-willed, not soon angry, not giving to wine, no striker, and not given any filth or lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast and faithful word uh, as he hath been taught that he may be able to, uh, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers.
So what Paul is doing is he's writing to Titus that he might be able to uh, help him as he is establishing this first uh, church. And and what Paul is writing here is saying, look, he's able to preach the Word of God because of what God has done in his life. And this is a call to arms for all of us, not just Titus, not just a few, but for everyone that we would... Uh, understand the kind of characteristics, the kind of, of personality that God needs in the church. We have in, in our situation in today's day churches that are failing all over the country, all over the world, because we need people who are faithful to serve God, faithful to teach the Word of God, faithful to share the message of God. And we need people like that here in this church as, as God needs people like this all over in every church because we're lacking those who uh, we've we've grown up in a day and age in which we have more people who are still on the milk of the word rather than on the meat of the word. We have people who are relying upon others to tell them what God's word tells uh, tells us rather than being able to study God's word and being able to understand God's word for themselves. We have people who are dependent upon others who are looking for a, a direction in their life rather than being able to lead uh, people within our churches and lead people to understand the the message of God. And so what we need is a call of arms for people to be strong and mature in the faith. And as Paul is writing to, to Titus and to tell them about the type of people that Titus is to look for, and establish, uh, look, Paul says, I'm uh, commanding you and go, to go out and to find bishops, find elders, find leaders for this church. And what, it, what he's saying is, is, look, I'm commissioning you, Titus, to finish the work that we started. For whatever reason, Paul had to leave this uh, this area as they were setting up this church. And, and as uh, Paul is writing this letter to Titus, he's encouraging him about the type of people that he is to look for. And it is, it is a call to arms for us to understand that we need to be these types of people. We don't, we don't uh, have bishops in our church. We, uh, we don't use the elder system. But what we have in our churches are people that are, are called to be mature Christians, called to be leaders, called to be deacons, called to be Sunday school teachers. And we, need, we don't have the luxury of being able to just sit back and watch somebody else do the work of the church. We need to have each and every one of us need to have a hand at serving God. And, and because of that, because we don't have the luxury of being able to just sit back and relax and watch, uh, watch somebody else do all the work, this is a call to arms for men and you to be these types of people. Listen to what Paul says we ought to be. He says uh, in verse 6, he says, If any be blameless... First of all, we need to be the type of people that have a, the kind of relationship with Christ that we, look, he's not talking about being someone who never sins. He's not talking about that. What he's saying is, is you need to be the kind of person that most people see and look at and they, and they say, look, there goes a good man of God. There goes a good woman of God. The type of person that that if there's something... It's like kind of like being in a room full of people and all of a sudden there's something missing. 
And they say, okay, well, we know this person here couldn't possibly take it. They're just not that kind of person. And so we're not even going to expect uh, to look into that person as to being someone who... Uh, there's certain people, they're just obviously the kind of people that live the kind of life that... that uh, people would normally suspect as being guilty of taking something that doesn't belong to them. Paul says we ought to all be blameless. The type of people that live the kind of moral life that we're blameless before others. We're the type of people that say there's a, a person I want to be like. Paul says we ought to be that kind of person, a person that is blameless. He says the second characteristic is, he says, someone who is the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruliness. And what he's saying is, is he's saying you need to not only have a kind of personality that everybody in the community can look at and appreciate and say there's a godly man, there's a godly woman. But you need to also have a home life that is in order. You need to be the kind of person that, that, is, that is committed to your relationship to your spouse, committed to your relationship in your home of sharing your love, not going after, a, 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 not being the kind of a husband or wife that, that flirts with everything that walks by, being the kind of man or woman who has a loving relationship with your spouse and is consistently faithful to your spouse, consistently in love with your, uh, in your home situation and having a godly marriage, a godly home, and he says, having faithful children. And what that uh, points to is not only having a godly, loving relationship with your spouse, but also having a, a home life that's in order where you teach your children about the love of Jesus Christ, where you teach your children about being a, a Christian, what it means to ha commit your life to Christ, praying and hoping that they give their heart and life to Christ. Com uh, there's some who say this points to uh, making sure that you have children that are Christian. Listen, we can do all that we can. Here's what I believe it means. We can do all we can to share the gospel message with our children, but we can't force our children to become Christians. Amen? We can do every, but we can do everything we can to raise up our children in the church, raise up our children in understanding of who Christ is, raising up our children in understanding the love of God, having a, a, a home life where they see a godly parent who reads the Bible, a godly parent who is a student of God's Word, a godly parent who rejoices in what God is doing in their life, who prays consistently and, and sees a home life in which they see a Christ-like attitude where they'll uh, hear the gospel message on a consistent basis where they will have every opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And Paul says you need to have people in your church as leaders and elders and, and bishops in your church who have that kind of relationship with God. They're blameless before God, they have a good uh, moral lifestyle at home and, and share that where others can see. He says uh, in verse 7, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed and not soon angry, not giving to wine, no, not, nor a striker, not given to any filth or lucre. He says now that you've got your home life in order, now that you have someone who is, is blameless and, and is seen by people in the world as, as having a good home life, let's talk about your, their relationship 
relationship to others and the kind of personality that they exhibit towards others. He says they must be a, a blameless and as a steward of God. This, this is a person who has a, a godly relationship that is, is competent in sharing their faith and is able to be blameless before others and someone who is, is uh, the type of person that has uh, a good relationship not only at home but in the community. A relationship with God in such a way that they are exhibiting the, the image of God in everything that they do. He says they need to be someone who is not only a proper steward of God, but self-willed, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine. These are characteristics of all of being uh, uh, self-centered. He says well, you don't want a leader in the church. You don't want someone who is authority in the church, who is self-centered to the point where everything in their life is focused around them. Oh, we have so many uh, churches in which everyone uh, who is in leadership is someone who's, who's looking for glory, looking for uh, praise, wanting to be looked up to. They have a special... Uh, I, I, it bothers me when I go by these churches that have a special sign for where the, the pastor is supposed to park and a, a special sign where the deacons are supposed to park as if they're to be treated better than anyone else. And that all is pointing to uh, selfishness and being uh, self-centered and having uh, a greater sense of who you are than, than being the selfless person that God calls us to be. We ought to be people who are considerate of others and in humility serving God. Serving God not because of the fact that, that we think we're better than anyone else, but rather realizing that, that we are humbly accepting the call of God upon our life, realizing that we're no better than anyone else and that God sees within us the opportunity to serve and that God graciously allows us to serve Him. You ought to have leaders that are, are all about service. It's just like when Jesus, uh, right before He went to the cross took off his outer robe and, and wrapped a towel around his waist and began to do the work of a servant, a lowly servant. And he says, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you need to be last. Amen. Because in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first and the first will be last. He says, you need to serve others in your desire to serve God. Amen. And so we, we need people who are in, in ministry and, and places of service within the church that are not filled with themselves, not desiring to have things all pointing to them. He says, you need to have people who are not self-willed, not soon angry, not giving to wine, not a striker, not giving to filthy lucre. These are the types of people that are thinking only of themselves. If you're uh, soon angry and you, you allow yourself to get angry, you know what that points to me? This is somebody who thinks that they're always right. You get angry because you think everybody else is wrong and you and they're not listening to you and you uh, have to have your way. You have to have your desire met. We need leaders who are thinking of others, thinking of, of God and allowing God to have leadership in their life. We need people who are not uh, in self-indulgent, uh, indulging in the things of wine and, and, and doing those things that are all about themselves, but rather... People who are concerned with the needs of others. Paul says, uh, 
Titus, you need to look for those types of men who are thinking of others and thinking of those who are less fortunate than them. And so after he goes through some of these... He, first he went through about three attributes of, of what uh, a, a good leader, a good Christian, a, a solid leaders within the church need to be. Then he went over five things that, that you need to avoid in a leader. He's, he comes back to some characteristics about uh, what we need in leadership. He says... You need someone who is a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. This is a uh, it, it's a companion to what he just said not to have. He says, don't get someone who is is uh, unruly and, and self centered and, and focused on themselves. And he and this is just a a punctuation. It is an exclamation point on this statement. He says, you need somebody that's the opposite of someone who's self centered. Someone who is a lover of hospitality. If you're a lover of hospitality, that means you're a gracious host. Someone who is is willing to to bend over backwards to 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 do things for others. Is willing to open their home to other people. Someone who is desirous of of giving of themselves. He says, uh, you need to have someone who is a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. These are all characteristics of thinking of, of their relationship with God more than their relationship with men. We need not only people that are uh, uh, considerate of others, but are considerate of their place with God. We need... Christian men and women in our churches that are, are in leadership and throughout the ministry of the church to be people who are considerate of the needs of others and they're considerate of their relationship with God. He says in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able to by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And so Paul wraps up this whole first section of, of what he's saying is, uh, lastly, not only do you need to be someone who's, who's got everything in order in his home, has a good relationship with God, has a good relationship with mankind in the greater community, and exhibits the kind of relationship with God that, that we need to all have. Someone who's not self-centered, but someone who cares about the needs of others. He says, uh, lastly, you need, some, uh, need people within leadership of your church to hold fast the faithful Word of God. This points to the problems that, uh, that Paul and Titus were having in this first church. He says, we need people who are leaders who are, are holding fast to the faith. They're not going to be easily swayed by the uh, teachings of others, not easily swayed by those who would come in and desire to, to distort the truth of God. He says, we need people who are faithful in their study of God's Word, who are willing to, to hold fast to the teachings of God and willing to share with others that message that God has placed on their heart. People who are willing to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. People who are willing to teach others and to, to uh, disciple others and to share with others. He says, who've been taught 
the doctrine of faith, but also to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. He's talking about people who are workers in the field of harvest, who are going out and sharing the message of God. We need people who are in our church uh, as leaders in our church that will go out and to share the message of God's love. Go out and to share God's uh, uh, message of love. We can't. We don't live in a day and age where we can simply open the doors on Sunday morning and expect people to come. We don't live in a day and age where people ought, we need to, uh, where we can assume that people automatically know that we're here. We live in a day and a time in which there are so many distractions in this world. There are so many things to keep people from coming to church. And we also live in a day and age of conveniences where it's easy just to simply say, you know, I just don't feel like get, uh, taking a shower this morning. I don't feel like going to church, so I'm going to just turn on uh, the TV and watch church somewhere else. I'll just uh, turn on the TV and, and watch the service and don't go in to church. And now we got it in, we're in a day and age where the things that we do to help people who can't get out and come to church, those people who are homebound, who are so fit, uh, physically enabled and sick in order to allow them to, uh, to participate in our church services. We have churches in our area that, uh, that live stream the, church, the services. We have churches in our area that, that record the services and hand out DVDs and, and, and they do all kinds of things in order to include those who are unable to come. People are using those tools as an excuse not to come to church. Well, I can just turn uh, go over to Facebook and watch the service. I don't feel like going to church today. It's too hot outside. It's too cold outside. It's too sunny outside. It's too grim and dark outside. The clouds are all coming. We make all kinds of excuses not to come to church. We need people who are, are committed to serving God, committed to sharing God's message, committed to going out and to exalting God and sharing with others, committed to the fellowship of the believers, to coming together in our church and allowing each other to, to the fellowship that is here within our body. We need people, not just leaders. We need everybody. This is a call to arms. There's such a thing in the battlefield where when the battle is going well, you're able to have stations back, uh, headquarters, and all these places where all the top brass are, and all those places where, where uh, they're able to sit back and direct the movements of men. But when the battle is going bad, what happens? Well, everybody picks up a pistol. Everybody picks up a rifle. It doesn't matter if you're a four-star general or if you're a lonely private. Everybody picks up a gun and, and defends themselves and defends the front. Because why? Because there's not, there's not enough men anymore to just simply sit back and allow somebody else. We're in that day and age in the church today. We don't have the luxury of just sitting back and watching somebody else do all the heavy lifting. We all have to... Uh, this is a call to arms for all of us to get up. We don't have the luxury of sitting back and watching somebody else going out and doing ministry, going out and sharing the gospel, going out and knocking on doors. We all need to be in the task. And this is a call to arms for all of us to have have this same kind of, of characteristic in us. Amen. We can't just simply say it's time for uh, 
us to, to have people that will sit up there and, and have these attributes and the rest of us don't have to. All of us need to have an attributes of this leadership, of being people who are willing to go forward and share the faith. Amen. We all have a call to arms today. Now the question is, what kind of relationship do you have with God? Perhaps today you realize that you can't be respond to the call of arms because you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and life today. Amen. Today's the day to give your life to Jesus Christ. Today's the day to give your heart to Jesus. Amen. Perhaps you're sitting there and you you have a relationship with God, but you've you've been lax in the things that you've been doing. You haven't been living the way you should. Hopefully this is a call from God for us to start living right. For us to begin to say, you know, my, my life needs some straightening out. My life needs some getting in order. And I'm going to commit my heart to Jesus Christ and commit my life to Him again so that He can help me to get my life in order so that I can go forward and serve Him. Perhaps today's the day you, you've, you've been doing all the right things, but you just simply haven't been going out and sharing your faith. God's calling us all to go out into the field. It's white unto harvest. It's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be something that we all can sit back and say, you know, hey, isn't it good? We all have to get in there. We all have to get to work. It's time. It's time. If not now, when? If not now, how bad does it have to get before we all get involved? We all need to go forward in service. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You that You've given us the privilege of Your Word. And Lord, we pray that You would help us all to hear the call of the gospel.